Okay. Will the whole group? Will the whole group come up here? Will the whole group come up? Okay. Thank you, Matt. Please turn in your Bibles to James chapter two. James two. So ask yourself a question. How does how are you partial? Are you partial? When you look at people, how do you tend to grade them? How do you evaluate them? How do they fit into your boxes? And what does partiality, if you are partial, uh, how does partiality fit with for instance, faith and works. Other themes in James. Uh, previously, in chapter 1, we looked at temptation and hearing and doing the Word of God. And I'm particularly taken by religion that is pure and undefiled. And how does it fit with patience and suffering? One of the things I'm observing this time through James is James tends to, to say, Here's the two sides. There's faith and works. There's partiality and impartiality. There, 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 but there's a handful of themes that kind of cross James. Now, to its first reader, James would have been <coughs> a sermon that was read in their church service. So there has to be a theme that runs through it, or James is just kind of shooting from the hip, Saying, oh, these are needs, you need to take... There's a theme that kind of goes through it that we'll discover as we go through James. Partiality. I, I thought this morning of the passage in John where it says, when it talks, talking about the devil, it says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. One of the ways that Satan destroys people is by creating barriers and divisions that are artificial. And then the person that you're looking at becomes an other. Not one of you, but another. They are the, they are, they are, I am this, they are that. And, and apparently the church was wrestling with this because James repeatedly, he talks about it several times throughout the book of James. James is primarily written to Jewish believers. Now, now, let me also say that I happen to think that power structures, political power structures, religious power structures, and things like that, thrive at creating those same kind of things. So those same kind of barriers. They say, you are, I am this, and they are that. And every time we do that, we set ourselves up to be the judge of that person, which is what we'll look at. In God's eyes, perhaps we should think about how does God view humanity? How does God view humans? Let me tell you a little story. So in 2013, Narita and I moved to uh, New Haven, Connecticut. And in the orientation for school, why they had the New Haven police chief and the head of Yale security come talk to us naive country bumpkins about life in the big city. 
And, you know, um, theft, bicycle theft. I took a really nice bicycle along, and it had a, a nice heavy chain. It got stolen within the first three weeks. Uh, there's also something called bolt cutters, you know, so keep them inside. Um, what's that, Narita? <laughs> she had told... Uh, well, yeah, it was the first night, wasn't it? Uh, but she had told me to keep, put it inside, and I kind of laughed at her. And, uh, anyway, she was my stupidity, too. Uh, so I, I was rather alarmed. So we're walking downtown. Was it just me? I, it was, I think it was just me. At about dusk, I'm walking downtown, go down over the hill, sidewalk. And as I'm walking down, I'm walking back. I'm walking back. I'm walking up the hill. I notice somebody coming uh, down the hill on my side. I think, oh boy, it's a large African-American gentleman. I didn't think it was a gentleman. So I crossed the street, got on the other side of the street, and walked up. I probably told you this. The next day at orientation, we were paired with fellow students. And I get paired with a young guy named Kenyon Adams, who is tall and African-American. And he said, seems to me like we've met before. And no, I, I don't think we have. Uh, yeah, he said, we've met before. Uh, wh- where would we have met before? He said, last night when you crossed the street. You know, how often are we guilty of these kinds of things? We profile people by their appearances, by how they seem. Let me tell you another story. In my teenage years, my, my mid-teens, uh, my dad made a, a financial or business decision that was really foolish, and my family lost everything. Um, it's a really tough time. Um, I, I know what it's like to not be able to go to church because you don't have enough gas to get to church. The most painful part of that was not being poor. The most painful part of it is what the fellow Christians did with my family. The shame that they brought. And I remember... It's really losing heart to go to church. This is things that my family faced. Those are, those are times when people tend, I mean, sure, my dad made a bad decision. I, I'm, we're owning that. Let's read James chapter 2. My brothers and sisters, Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down here at my feet. Have you you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has, God, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. 
Are not the rich the one who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I've divided this portion up into three pieces. First of all, you have the charge. Show no partiality. It's that simple. Don't show partiality. Then there is an illustration. Then we'll look at the reason. So let's go back and look at the charge. My brothers and sisters, and by the way, uh, this is Philadelphia. So whenever uh, the ESV translates it, brothers, but whenever this word is used, there's often a footnote, it, it, it should say brothers and sisters. It means the congregation. And by the way, James is writing to Christians, to believers, to those who are called the followers of Jesus. And he's saying, do not show partiality. As you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Let's just think about that verse. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. So why does James address it like that? Don't show partiality. Don't be discriminatory. The word can actually mean discrimination. It can be translated discrimination. Don't be discriminatory as you hold to the faith. Huh. I, I was thinking about that. How do, we, um, how, we, how do we tend to be partial in our world today? So, so t- typically, partiality is built on outward appearances. You, you, you evaluate people by how they look and how they act. Am I correct on that? So, so you tend to evaluate that. How do you know what's in a person's heart? Well, you could argue that there's a part of it you can see as they act and talk. Yeah, okay, I get that. That by their fruits, you shall know them. But you still don't have perfect insight into that person, do you? If you do, please come see me afterwards and tell me what I'm thinking and feeling and doing, okay? We don't, we, we don't know what's inside the skin of that person. Now, we've often tended to view, and like with uh, the, the whole thing, show no partiality. Uh, let, let's just look at the illustration at all, uh, as well, because it helps us understand it. And James uses this illustration, if a man wearing a gold ring uh, or, and, and fine clothing comes into your assembly. So in their assemblies, what, how their assemblies would work, the synagogues, the, and this is written to Jewish believers primarily, and Gentiles are starting to come into the church, and the Jews tend to be, in this world, tend to be the kind of the middle class. 
They're the people who are middle class. Now, the upper class are Roman aristocracy, and the upper class is always oppressing all the other classes. And one of the favorite ways of oppressing people in their world was simply, by the Romans, was to drag them into the court and entangle them in the court system for so long that they'd lose everything. They'd oppress them that way. So uh, James is writing to them, saying, oh, and their, their synagogue, their service. The, most of the time when they had a service, there was kind of a bench or a, a, a higher place all the way around the outside of the building. And there was this hierarchy of how you sat. The, 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 the leaders sat in the prominent, or the best people, I, I, the most uppity people, sat in the, the most prominent position around the side. And then as you went away from where the, where the Torah was read, the seats became less and less desirable. And the, and the servants and the slaves had to stand. Or, so, so this thing was about bench height all the way around the outside of the building. So the, the good established members of the church sat on that bench. Men, in this case. Um, and, and so, and then the secondary people had to sit on the floor or stand in the, in the, off to the side. And so James is saying, so there's this man that comes into your service, and I, I so badly, I was, gonna, I was trying to think of who my friends could I convince to come. One of them dress up quite well, you know, modern hip clothing, and, and he'd come in, or, and then have somebody dress up in, in less than desirable and not, you know, rub some cow manure on them and, and uh, come in and everybody goes, moves away a little bit. That's exactly the picture James is, is painting here. He said, so why is it that when this wealthy person comes in and, and sits down, you say, oh, come, come, come up here. Come. Here, you sit beside me. <laughs> Look, hey, I, I know this guy. Now, most of the time when we think about partiality or discrimination, we think about skin color like I did with Kenyan. By the way, are you aware that, um, that skin color, if you took facial features... Racial discrimination, facial features, Asian people. If, if you took, um, scientists have found that if you take two people from anywhere in the world, from the most diverse people groups in the world, the basic genetic difference is about 2%. So why do we do that? Why do we do that? Our world has taught us to do that. The world around us has taught us to do that. And uh, this is uncomfortable preaching, by the way. I'm realizing how, how full of partiality I am when I meet somebody who is kind of in. I'm, I'm not even talking a professional athlete, you know, somebody like that. Yeah, by the way, I have met some famous people. I once shook hands with, he was then running for vice president, a man named Joseph Biden. I shook his hand. He wouldn't remember me, but anyway. <laughs> but, but think about it more <clears throat> like this. Think about people in this community who are in. They're part of the group. Boy, would we ever like to see them in our church. Would we ever? Gives us validation. Makes us feel like, boy, we, we've got something going there. But when the, the guy comes on his scooter um, and sits there, we kind of, uh, 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 we don't even know how to talk to him. Yes. That's what James is talking about, so, saying, 
when you do that, you're actually doing something really bad. Because what you're saying is, I know what that person is, and that he's just not, he's not worthy of my attention, and, and therefore, he's not worthy of God's attention. Because if we are the hands and feet of God in the world, as James will argue, that faith without works is dead, and that when we work out our salvation, we're actually working out the, word, the work of God on earth. When you live like that, you are actually... Um, telling people that they're not worth it. So, so here are the reasons why we shouldn't be partial. First of all, notice he says, have you then not, verse 4, have you then not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Who should be the one making distinctions in the world about people? Who should be the one? The one who created them, right? God. God is the only one who is allowed to make these distinctions. And by the way, with God, there's only two classes of people. Those who follow him and those who do not. The Bible never talks about, uh, it always talks about the followers of Jesus or the sinners. So, when we are partial, when we show partiality, we're actually saying, we know better than God how to deal with these people. And we put ourselves in the place of God at dealing with these people. And then he says, listen, my beloved brothers, has God not, brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? You know what my mind went to? Who was Jesus born to? A poor woman. Who did he show the most compassion and love to in the world? The poor and the broken. So what are we doing? Behaving ourselves in such a way as we do, where we think, boy, those, I, boy, yeah, I, I really like that. They, boy, they've got money, and they've got, oh, yeah, if they, oh. Did you know I am friends with? And then I drop names. And I'm guilty of this. I thought of it this morning, like, all the times I say, yeah, yeah, I, I know them. Yeah, yeah, we're, I'm friends with them. And then, boy, people say, oh, 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 you must be somebody important. Do you, am I the only one who does this? Do you do it too? Uh-huh. Okay. So, now, now remember also how the Roman aristocracy worked with, the, with anyone below them. They would simply drag them into the system, and they, they become the oppressors over everyone and drag them into the system. He says, so, so the other reason, he says, but... Are not the rich the ones who oppress you? Why are you sucking up to the people who bring oppression to the kingdom of God? They're the, the wealthy, the ones who you kind of say, oh, they've got it all put together. Those people are bringing oppression to the kingdom of God. What are you doing? Why are you supporting them in their bringing oppression? In fact, you have become the oppressor when you do that. When you grade people by where they're at and their station in life, their skin color, and all the other things that our world does, you become an oppressor because you are saying those people aren't right. Now, let's just go on and look at verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. 
That is a really profound statement. Because he said, uh, the royal law, by the way, means the king's law. And who is the king of our who is the king of our kingdom? Jesus. And Jesus said, um, the, the whole law and prophets can be summed up in this. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. And, and the second is equal to the first. To love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus understood very clearly something that we have a hard time understanding sometimes. That you can make all kinds of language about how you love God. If you do not love your fellow man, whoever they are, you are not really loving God. Because the, the measure of how you love the people around you is, is a measure of how you love God. So I know, for instance, this morning, I'm just convicted that I don't love God very well because there are people I don't love very well. That's the royal law. And he said, if you show partiality, you're a sinner. You, you need to repent of that sin. That, that's James at his best. He says, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin. And the law, the royal law, convicts you. Then he uses this language of forever. You know, you can say all the things that you follow, but if you do not really follow the royal law, you're a transgressor. So speak and act, in verse 12, as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. So the law of liberty is the same thing as the royal law, according to scholars that I've read here. So, and, and by the way, the law of liberty is used before, in chapter 1, where it says in verse 25... But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So if you say you follow Jesus, and your, your heart is to follow Jesus, then you are called to love the people around you with the kind of love that you love Jesus, that you say you love Jesus with, and that the kind of love that you love the people around you reflects at how much you love Jesus. And then this last verse, this concluding verse in this section. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That word judgment could be, I translate it, and in our, in our world it would be discrimination. So we, we kind of react, we, we like judgment better, but we kind of react to discrimination because we've heard it used in our political structures all the time, that's discrimination. But we actually need to embrace the idea that, that when we judge people unjustly, we are discriminating against them. We just need to say we, are, uh, we discriminate. So mercy or compassion triumphs over discrimination. What do you want to win in the world? What world do you want to live in? A world where compassion is being offered to you? Or a world where people say, Oh, well, no. Did you wear that black thing on purpose today? Are you trying to be on style? You know, all, all these kinds of things that we do. Uh, did, you know, uh, uh, did you know what he did? He, he just, he's just not quite with it. Did you, did you smell him when he was in church on Sunday? I wonder if somebody ever told him about uh, uh, deodorant and perfume. I mean, did you hear what they, the decision that they made? And, and you know, so I guess they made their nest so they have to live in it. All those kinds of statements, is, is, they're not compassionate. 
And what James is kind of indirectly causing us to think about is how God treated us. For when we were yet sinners, God sent his Son to the earth. Did we deserve did, do we deserve salvation? Do we deserve the gift that we have to sit here this morning? Do we deserve the gift that we have to have this freedom in our hearts to follow Jesus? Did we deserve it? Did we deserve it? No. You can't be good enough. You can't dress right enough. You can't be in enough. What Jesus did, what God did, is show his compassion onto the world rather than his judgment. And he calls us to do the very same thing, to show our compassion into the world, to the people around us, to the people we engage with, instead of judgment. So this coming week, I I have some resolutions I need to, to work through myself, but it is so easy for me to kind of evaluate people and say, hmm, maybe I'll just have a quick conversation with them. Well, what if somebody sees me talking to them? Or, boy, I'd really like to sidle up to him and say, tell the whole world what good friends we are. Whatever it is. Whenever we do that, we're not showing compassion. And can we think about the wealthy in our world as people having needs just the same way we do? And that when we get past that exterior, we're all humans in the need of Jesus. So, what are you going to be this week as you interact with people? Are you going to be Jesus followers and show compassion? Or are you going to be power brokering humans and say, "Ah, I think I'll pass on that one. I was going to say devil followers, But it sounds really rude. But ultimately, what we do is we support Satan's agenda when we show partiality. But I'm going to return to one thing. Whenever you think about the people sitting in the world around you, standing walking in the world around you, think about them and think about what would the compassion of God be? How can I show the compassion of God to them? the same way that God showed his compassion on me. And it strikes me that if we have not realized well ourselves how uh, we needed God's compassion, God's love, and God's redemption, then we can't show that very well. Please stand with me. Lord Jesus, as we think about how... um,